Warren Berkeley back with you. I'm with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ. We are in the Gospel of Mark. We're in chapter 11, a couple of lead-ins toward the rest of the Gospel of Mark. One, earlier in Mark, he documents all the questions people had about who Jesus was. Those are answered for the reader as progress is made through the book. Peter said, in chapter 8, Jesus is the Christ. In chapter 10, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Mark is telling his readers who Jesus is in all these narratives, examples, and events. Number two, from here toward the end of the book, there is movement toward Jerusalem, and it was movement toward the cross. As chapter 11 opens, he is drawing near to and entering Jerusalem. Have your Bible ready. Mark chapter 11. Our approach in these YouTube videos, we read through the chapter, stopping only briefly after each paragraph for comments, and then further comments and takeaways at the end of our reading through the chapter. Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it, and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside of the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Things like this in the life of Christ don't just happen as functions of coincidence. God has a plan. Jesus is living and traveling and teaching toward Jerusalem perfectly in keeping with the plan and providence of God. A colt doesn't just appear, and an owner doesn't just agree to its use, accidentally or coincidentally. This is all happening according to the plan 
and providence of God, Jesus' entry into Jerusalem marks the end of that time when he was pressed with crowds and the time when he said, don't tell anyone. Now there is this open entry into Jerusalem, and it becomes an open confrontation with his opponents near the temple. Mark 11, 12 through 14. Mark 11, 12 through 14. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. You know, what may seem strange here becomes clear when you continue into this chapter and then again in chapter 13. It is one of those cases where if you wonder what's going on here, just keep reading. But know this, know that Jesus as the creator can use what he made as object lessons. We're going to come back to that in a few minutes. We're going to continue the reading now, 15 through 19. And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priest and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him, because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. Now, this happened twice. It occurred earlier as reported by John, the Gospel of John, chapter 2. What did it mean? It meant the money makers and marketers were still using the temple. Even after that first event, they were not using it for a house of prayer, but for a house of of profit. Is there another part of this story? Jesus used the expression, a house of prayer for all the nations. The next verse says, the chief priests and scribes heard that, and they were seeking to destroy him. They heard that phrase, all the nations, and they were concerned about the interest of the crowds in Jerusalem directed toward Jesus Christ. More about that in our discussion. Mark 11, 20 through 26, we are back to that tree. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, 
the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive, if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also, who is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. That is verse 26. So here is the follow-up from the incident about the fig tree. Jesus intended this to be a lesson about faith and prayer and the necessity of forgiveness. It's all wrapped up in this image. Jesus, as the creator, can use what he made for object lessons. I'll have more to say about that after the read-through. Now we come to verses 27 through 33. Mark 11, 27 through 33. And they came again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, the chief priest and the scribes and the elders came to him. And they said to him, By what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do them? Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And they discussed it with one another, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe him? But shall we say from man, they were afraid of the people, for they all held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Well, even this late in Jesus' ministry, more questions, questions that have been answered clearly and repeatedly. By what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority? The Jewish leaders asked. Jesus responded in such a way, they had no reply. And that's Mark chapter 11. I have some observations based on what we've read in Mark chapter 11. I want to go back now for some additional comments based on what we've read in Mark chapter 11. Go back with me just for a moment, verses 9 and 10. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. If you have a reference Bible, probably it's going to list alongside verses 9 and 10, 
that this is a quotation from Psalms, chapter 118, verses 25 and 26. Matthew, in his account, in Matthew chapter 21, also quotes this prophecy as fulfilled. Matthew says about this event, this entry into Jerusalem, this took place in order that what was spoken through the prophet was fulfilled. And there's a quotation from Zechariah 9, verse 9. That's the prophecy about the donkey. So this account in Mark and Matthew about the triumphal entry into Jerusalem is more than just an ordinary account of travel and arrival. Prophecy of the Messiah, the Savior, is fulfilled in very explicit ways, in detail, again, establishing who Jesus is. He is the Christ. And I believe pointing to Pentecost in Acts 2, when that kingdom came into existence and people became citizens living under the authority of the king, Jesus Christ. Hosanna means help, save, I pray. And Jesus was and is that help needed by each one of us. Jesus engaged in a prophetic symbol himself in the cursing of the fig tree. And from this I get, here is something that had promise without performance. He pointed this out to his disciples, then came back to it later, and he showed his power when the fig tree was withered. Matthew says, all at once. Then he connected this to faith and prayer. Jesus, I mentioned earlier a couple of times, as the creator, had the power to use what he created as an object lesson. The whole event, while mysterious, shows what happens when there is promise without performance. And obviously, this whole event displays, again, the power of Jesus. The cleansing of the temple in verses 15 through 19. There is a lot we need to get from this. First, clarity. It was not selling and buying that was wrong. It was where they were selling and buying. And the price gouging that was part of this circus. Now, Jesus is very clear when he says, house of prayer. The location of this selling and buying frenzy was the issue along with the price gouging, the greed. In the earlier incident, Jesus took a whip-like instrument and sent the animals away and overturned the tables. It might be expressed this way, unholy activities taking place in a holy place. Here's what I believe we need to learn from this. While there is not an exact parallel between the temple under the law of Moses and under Judaism and our church buildings, there ought to be a distinctive separation between worship and the ordinary secular economic activities of life. 
I believe that principle is underlying these two incidents, first in John 2 and here in Mark 11, also reported in Matthew 21. There are things appropriate in one setting which would not be appropriate in a worship setting. I'll illustrate the principle like this. I love good instrumental music, classical music, band music, some rock music from the 60s. I love buying books and telling jokes and playing games and watching movies. But I'm not going to recommend we do that in a time and place designated for worship. I'm aware of what a lot of churches do with entertainment and all sorts of activities not defined as worship in the New Testament. But in these two accounts of Jesus cleansing the temple, I'm seeing a principle that worship should not be mixed up with or corrupted by purely secular activities. Verse 17, what something is called is significant. And he was teaching them and saying to them, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? Commercial activity has intruded into this place before. Zechariah chapter 14, verse 21, and desecrated the spiritual purpose of this house of prayer. Back to the withered fig tree. Let's listen again in verses 22 to 26. Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive, if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Verse 26 but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, who is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Now, I can't see a show of hands because this is a YouTube video, but I want you to consider these questions. How many of you have thrown a mountain out into the sea? Don't see any hands. How many of you have tried to throw a mountain into the sea and failed? Third question, is there a case in the New Testament where an apostle of Christ threw a mountain into the sea? Well, no. See, this is not about literally throwing mountains into the sea. This is about the power and potential of faith in prayer. The subjects here are faith, prayer, and forgiveness. And note that phrase, does not doubt in his heart. There would be no good spiritual purpose served by taking this literally and praying for a mountain to be cast into the sea. 
Jesus is illustrating faith, prayer with forgiveness on the part of his disciples who must not doubt in their heart. So here's what we have done. We have prayed about events and people and asked God for outcomes according to his will. And it happened. Someone who had an awful case of cancer recovers perfectly. And the report years later, keep the, those reports keep coming back. No cancer. That's like a mountain thrown into the sea. We have prayed for people who were spiritually sick. And they made the right choices of repentance. The word reached them. We always pray knowing God's answers and God's timing is superior to our request. We always say, thy will be done. But figuratively speaking, we actually have witnessed God doing such powerful things like a mountain thrown into the sea. Now, there is a manuscript variation I'll bring up just briefly that has caused some translators to move verse 26 down to the footnote. But the concept in verse 26 has authority otherwise in other passages, and so I left it in. Speaking of authority, I made the observation earlier that Jesus can use what he made as object lessons. He has the authority of the Creator. Speaking of authority, Jesus again shows himself to be the master teacher in verses 27 through 33. These enemies of Jesus, stubborn, dogmatic, deceitful, just dumb. You just can't get Jesus all tangled up with clever questions. It says they had to answer him about the authority question we do not know. And Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. That's Mark chapter 11. Go back and read it again and read chapter 12 before the next video. Thank you for your good attention to our study.